0: Walks like an animal, talks like an animal, must be an animal. Come here, the
1: animals,
0: talking
1: animals, talking animals. A dog. Good morning, welcome to Talking Animals. My name is Randy Wynn. I'm sitting in for Duncan today on Talking Animals. He's out of town, and for the second week in a row, I'm hosting Talking Animals. Looking forward to a conversation today. We're going to be talking about pit bulls and a lot of controversy and misunderstandings about pit bulls. We're going to cut through all of it with my guest and get started with a song that's kind of of set the the table for our show that's coming up on Talking Animals today, a special on pit bulls. (laughs)
0: personal, now I take it in stride I got nothing against no one, I wouldn't hurt a fly
1: Okay. Well, we are uh, set this morning to uh, bring you some great music, so stick around on WMNF as we are going to be talking about pit bulls this morning. And uh, my name is Randy Wind. I'm a lifelong dog dog lover. I've had lots of dogs, but I've never owned a pit bull. I've heard the stories that they are violent or mean or dangerous, and... uh I'm interested in getting a different perspective today, and I have invited a national advocate for pit bulls, Shannon Glenn, who is the executive director of My Pit Bull is Family, and she is here with us today to talk about pit bulls. Welcome to Talking Animals. Let's see if I can get you on here. Whoops. Hang on. Hang on a second. Okay, there we go. Shannon, are you there? I'm here. Good.
2: Thanks for having me, Randy.
1: Thanks for thanks for joining us today to uh, talk about pit bulls and I know you can you feel there are many misconceptions. We're gonna be talking all about that and we're gonna invite uh, phone calls. The number to call if you wanna talk about pit bulls today is 813-239-9663. That's 813-239-9663. Uh, Shannon, why don't we start off by talking about the history of pit bulls. I, I, The story is, that's widely told, is that they were bred to be fighting dogs, so it's in their genes, and they you can't get it out, and uh, they're always going to be fighting dogs. Tell us about the history of pit bulls, and also, is it a breed? <laughs> is it really a breed? That's,
2: Absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah, do, I know. Oh, go ahead, Randy. Go ahead. <laughs> um. I know when you posted this on Facebook, there were a lot of folks in your comments saying, you know, Pitbull isn't a breed. Um, And so I do want to first acknowledge that the term, I'm going to use a lot of air quotes, so I apologize that listeners can't necessarily see that. So I'll air quote it. Um, But the term Pitbull in air quotes in the present day, it encompasses many breeds or types of dogs, um, including but not limited to the American Pit Bull Terrier, American Staffshire Terrier, Bull Terriers, and Bulldogs, and there's a plethora of others. Um, Or depending on who you ask, it can be a group of dogs that have similar physical characteristics. Oftentimes, that includes a blocky head, a wide body, and a tail. Um, So as you can imagine, um, visual breed identification often does not work. Nor are there experts that can accurately depict a breed based on just looking at a dog visually.
1: Shannon, Um, are are, are all these different? Do these different uh, breeds that look like a what we know as pit bull, or do they have all different personalities and and uh, characteristics uh, as well? Uh, or, and and then how do you know which which are those breeds you have if you if you go to the shelter or if you uh, adopt a dog that looks like a uh, what you think is a pit bull?
2: Absolutely. Um, so oftentimes, um, you know, mixed breed dogs are incredibly difficult to know right off the bat what breed you have. Um, there are shelters across the country that have removed breed labels in shelters, um, simply because, you know, when a dog goes into the shelter, it can be incredibly difficult to know what type of dog that is, um, unless we're looking at those um, those physical characteristics. Um, and so oftentimes it's just a guess, um, unless the owner maybe has papers or American Kennel Club registrations or something, but... Oftentimes, these dogs are mixed breed dogs. Um, therefore, we like to say that all dogs are individuals, just like people. Um, so, regardless of how our parents might have been, us as a as their child could be completely different, right? Um, and can can you talk dogs.
1: to Can you talk to the uh, to these stories that uh, pit bulls, whatever we're going to call pit bulls, <laughs> uh, we're just going to agree that the dogs that look like the everybody agrees look like. What we know as pit bulls, that they do have some kind of uh, fighting history, or that they were bred to fight, or tell us tell us what's about that, and how yeah. they all, have, or they have, did they have other uses?
2: Yeah, so we can do a little bit of a history lesson. So back in the eighteen hundreds, um, an old English bulldog that looks similar to today's American bulldog. So those those big beefy dogs, Um, they were used back in the British Isles to bait bulls. Um, And so baiting bulls is where a bulldog would be chained up and set to attack a bull um, or even a bear, which was called bear baiting. Um, These events were attended by those interested in the sport, including royalty. Um, One of the Queen Elizabeths kept bears on her property for this reason. Um, and in 1835, bull baiting was deemed inhumane and became illegal, and dog fighting became a popular replacement. So soon, a new bulldog was created by crossing an old English bulldog with terriers to create a smaller, more agile dog. Um, the best fighters were celebrated and held up as heroes, and at the same time, um, you know, folks really learned that the dogs were not attacking humans. Um because it was really important for those handling the dogs in these dog fights to be able to handle their dogs and take care of them during these fights. And so these continued, the, the breeding continued, and therefore these dogs gained a reputation um, that they were really trustworthy with humans. So after all of this happened, immigrants then brought their dogs over across the ocean um, into America and realized that these dogs were really great to protect their homesteads from predators and also were helpers on the farm. So the pit bulls you know, were helping herd cattle and sheep and really became part of, of the, the home. Um, pit bulls earned their place um, in the developing nation and became the all American dog, which I would still argue that pit bull type dogs and mixes are the American dog in present day.
1: Can you, so some, really. can you talk some? Can you talk some about about the fear that people have of that some people have of pit bulls? If you look at um, if anybody saw my uh, Facebook post, uh, I, I posted about the show, and there were a lot of people saying, "My pit bull was the most loving, sweet dog I've ever had, and I've had several, and they're just wonderful, wonderful dogs." And other people have had pit bulls. With problems, or they say they had problems. How do you how do you answer to the to the people who say pit bulls are indeed uh, problematic in that they have um, uh, sometimes an unexpected violent act that comes from them?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I would definitely go back to the all dogs are individuals, right? So um, we can't base behavior and breed together. Um, So, again, every dog is going to have different characteristics and different behavioral traits. Um, So, when someone approaches me and says, you know, pit bulls are terrible dogs or they're scared of them, um, you know, and especially if they had a personal incident with a large breed dog, regardless of breed or any dog, regardless of breed, um, you know, dog bites and and dog fatalities are a real thing. Um, So, we always like to acknowledge that um, and, you know, talk through the fact that, you know, some dogs have behavioral issues um, and therefore, you know, potentially can harm someone. Any dog with teeth can bite is something um, that I also like to remind folks of. And really, you know, the majority of quote unquote pit bull type dogs across the country are couch potatoes. They're snuggly. They... Um, are really great dogs, really great family dogs. Um, and in terms of being a family dog, it's always important to remember to never leave your children alone with any dog, um, regardless of their breed. And so, just making sure that folks are responsible pet parents um, when having any dog um, is is really important.
1: So, is it more of a, a challenge to uh, raise a, a a pit bull in a in a uh, socialized, uh, trained? to have a trained and socialized pit bull than than other dogs? Or is it more important that you have a trained and socialized pit bull? um, Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think with any dog, it's important to utilize um, training. Um, So finding a trainer in your area that you mesh well with, um, definitely a science-based and positive reinforcement trainer is always beneficial. Um, But we do recognize that there are some dogs, again, they're all individuals that, um, respond better to other methods of training. Um, for example, I have two blocky headed wiggle butt dogs. Um, Wilbur is my older guy. He's pushing 10. Um, he was diagnosed with cancer last October. Um, but when he was younger, we did the American Kennel Club Canine Good Citizen test with him. Um, so he went through training for six weeks got the citizenship award Um, my other dog we do like brain games with her and other training Um, so I think training is just in general important for anyone with a dog Um, whether that be you know online training um, through something called good pup or finding a trainer in your area
1: I'd like to invite listeners to call in if you, to uh, sh- share your pit bull experiences, whether you've had a dog or you've known pit bulls or you've had, uh, good or bad experiences with pit bulls. You can j- join our conversation with, uh, Shannon Glenn. She's executive director of My Pit Bull is Family. And our number is 813-239-9663. We're going to play a little bit of music as we uh, get ready to take some phone calls and hopefully we will hear from you today on Talking Animals. I'm Randy sitting in for Duncan today with my guest Shannon Glenn.
3: Well, he's a good dog. I've had him for years. He used to get up when I'd walk by. Now he just lifts up his ears and he thumps his tail. On the floor When I talk to him When I talk too long He just ignores me And he goes to sleep again He's a good dog I got him as a pup I tried to teach him All the tricks But then I just gave up Cause he never acted Very bright Those eyes, they've got this glow And I think he actually knows some things That actually I don't And he never barks at strangers But then he never barks at cars And he howls at the coyotes While they're howling at the stars And he scratches at the back door till someone lets him in then he scratches at the other side cause he wants back out again good dog, but one of these days I'm gonna have to drive him into town and have him put away, cause he don't hear that good no more, and he can hardly walk, but until then I look at him and I say,
1: he's a good dog. All right. Well, there's a happy dog song. We're talking with Shannon Glenn, who's a, a advocate for pit bulls. And we'd love to hear from you today if you'd like to join our conversation at 813-239-9663. So, Shannon, there's been, um, with the, I guess you could call it the prejudice against pit bulls. There are a lot of laws in some places that, uh, I guess you would say discriminate against pit bulls and there's places where pit bulls aren't allowed, like uh, some dog parks, maybe. Can you talk about that and, and what your thoughts on that? Is that justified because of some of the issues with pit bulls or uh, even though, uh, you know, it's like there are go ahead. <laughs> I'm not going to answer yeah, for absolutely.
2: you. And, and Randy, I wish it was just dog parks, but unfortunately Um, You know, Miami-Dade County has one of the longest running laws um, called breed-specific legislation. It's been around for over 30 years. Um, There are really great organizations like the Miami Coalition Against Breed-Specific Legislation um, and other organizations that have been working on getting this repealed. Um, Laws like these continue to not only impact dogs that may or may not look like a pit bull, but also their families. Um, So breed specific legislation is just that it's legislation that prohibits a breed or type of dog um, from anything from like a a city to a county. I know there aren't any statewide bans, um, but definitely cities and counties across the country do have these laws, but we're watching them fall. Um, So a lot of really amazing organizations like Animal Farm Foundation, the National Canine Research Council, Best Friends Animal Society, us, the ASPCA, the Humane Society of the United States, we're all working to make sure that families um, can choose the type of dog that they would like to have at home. Um, We've also seen across the country recently that cities historically have not enforced their breed specific legislation. Um, they're suddenly deciding to where letters have been sent to households telling them that they need to remove their dogs in a specific number of hours or days. Um, and we have found that oftentimes, you know, it is unlawful. Um, and so really working to remove breed specific legislation in those areas because the laws just continue to break up families across the country.
1: I've 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 read uh, or, or or seen people saying that uh, that their pit dog was great with uh, their family with their children, but that they their pit bull didn't get along well with other dogs. Is that sure. is that a common occurrence? And would that sort of say uh, maybe pit bulls sh- should not go into uh, dog parks? Or is that everybody knows their own dog? I guess right, but
2: <laughs> right, yeah. Again. <laughs> So all dogs are individuals. Um, You know, there's definitely um, kind of like a, similar to people, right? So some of us are really awkward. You know, we might not get along well with others or work well in a team. Um, Dogs can, can be similar, right? So there's kind of a linear scale of, you know, aggression, really disliking dogs to being super dog friendly. So some dogs are dog selective. Sometimes it depends on where they are are the dogs meeting face to face on a leash, which if anyone listening is currently doing that, I would strongly recommend that you don't, it just tension and dogs and, you know, it can, it can become a mess. Um, but really making sure that to remember that not all dogs are going to enjoy social situations. You know, I think, Randy if you and I went to a huge party and there's a bunch of people, you know, maybe it would make us feel uncomfortable. And it's the same with dogs. Um so just really making sure that we're setting up our dogs for success, understanding what situations they like to be in, um and, you know, just again making sure that we're doing the best we can for our dogs.
1: And there are people who say that uh that pit bulls are going to be good dogs if the owners are good owners. Do you believe that, or is that uh, there are still exceptions? Talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah. Um, again, all dogs are individuals, right? So it, it really definitely depends on the person. Um, you know, dogs' behaviors can change based on medical needs and various other factors, um, which are out of the you know hands of the owner sometimes um or various situations that might happen um you know for example i have a dog my pitbull type dog wilbur is afraid of baby gates and loud noises we don't know why but um you know that's just this is how he is so we we know that about him um and and he's also afraid of our cat so the cat at our house rules rules the house for sure um but again all dogs have their own little quirks um in regards to
1: their behaviors. Now, if somebody were to go into a, uh, a shelter, or a humane society, and and they see a lot of uh, pit bulls there, and I understand that the the shelters are filled with uh, pit bulls, um, mm-hmm. how do they know what kind of what kind of pet they're getting, uh, and um, especially when they're at a shelter and they may have come from an abusive situation or uh you don't know anything about their their uh gene, genetic set, their history. Uh can you talk a little bit about that? How can how do how does somebody uh, over, overcome the worries that you might be getting a, a dog that is uh emotionally troubled yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 will be an acting out dog?
2: For sure. Um so in shelters across the country, um, you know, shelter workers, if anyone listening works in a shelter or a humane society, thank you for what you do. Um, we know that right now is not an easy time to be in animal sheltering. So so thank you. Um, but animal shelter workers and volunteers do a ton of work with the dogs that are in shelter. Um, oftentimes they're doing play groups. Um, so Dogs Playing for Life is based in Florida. They have a facility there, and they travel the country and teach shelters to do play groups. Right. So the best way to see a dog's behavior is to vis- like visually see it. Um, so getting dogs to play every day, taking them on walks, getting to know them. Um, This way that shelter staff and volunteers can tell potential adopters, um, the behaviors that they've seen in shelter. Um, Also the shelter environment isn't a hundred percent the best facility um, to, to see someone's behavior because they can be loud, they can be stressful. It's a strange environment for them, especially if a dog was surrendered or picked up as a stray. Um, it's, it's a new environment and it's an unknown environment. Um, so really making sure that we're getting dogs out of the shelter, doing foster day trips, um, and seeing their behaviors um, outside of, you know, that kennel is really, really important. Um, That way, shelter workers and volunteers can play matchmaker with families um, that maybe are looking for a dog that fits their specific lifestyle. Um, And sometimes that is a pit bull type dog, and sometimes it's a little chihuahua. It just really depends on the family dynamic.
1: So, your organization is called uh, My Pitbull is Family. It's a nonprofit. Can you tell us what, what your organization does?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So, we're a nonprofit. We're based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And yes, I absolutely wish I was in Tampa with an 80 degree day, but instead, I'm looking outside the window at nine inches of snow and it is still coming down. Um, but, My Pitbull is Family, we manage the nation's largest database of dog inclusive rentals. Um, so that they are rentals that do not have breed, weight, or size restrictions. Um, And the reason why we do this work is because the number one reason why large breed dogs are surrendered to shelters across the country is lack of housing that will accept them. So our team of volunteers across the country are collecting information on pet policies to not only, you know, continue to increase the number of listings in our database, but also... Um, to work on legislative efforts across the country as well to remove breed and size restrictions and rental pet policies and also have conversations around breed restrictions and insurance.
1: Okay, we're going to take a music break. Hope somebody will give us a call at 813-239-9663. If you have have a pit bull, you've had a pit bull, you want to share your experience or uh, you've had experience with pit bulls that you'd like to share, our number is 813 239 9663. Here's a little song about dog training. Okay, we're back at here for Talking Animals. My name is Randy. I'm sitting in for Duncan today with my guest, Shannon Glenn, coming to us from Minneapolis with the stories of pit bulls. Her organization is My Pitbull is Family. And speaking of uh, family, Shannon, have you, I imagine you've had a lot of pit bulls. Have you had all good experiences? Or have you had some of the pit bulls more challenging than others?
2: Um, yeah, so I have currently I have two pit bull type dogs. Um, they're both from Minneapolis Animal Care and Control, so our local municipal shelter here. Um, I have um, Wilbur, who's 10, Charlotte, who's eight. Um, they're both fantastic dogs. They have their own personalities. Um, Wilbur loves treats and he farts a lot. Um, and then there's Charlotte. Who every night before I go to bed, she whines at me so she can get up and be my little spoon. Um, and then we have um, a have a poo, a very small, fluffy dog um, named Fern, um, who loves to play with the big dogs. The big dogs get annoyed with her, but it is totally fine. And then we have a cat, but. Um, Yeah, I, Wilbur was actually the first pit bull type dog that, um, I have had, um, growing up, we had dogs of all shapes and sizes, um, Great Danes to Jack Russells, um, and really just grew up around dogs in general. Um, when I was in community college, before I went on and finished other degrees, um, I learned about pitbull rescue here in the twin cities and decided to get involved and fell in love instantly with you know these these underdogs as as we like to call them and never looked back
1: so uh, there's some people say uh, that families should not adopt pit bulls and then i've heard from many others who've had pit bulls with their families, and they've had wonderful experiences. Should families be cautious about uh, ado- adopting a pit bull?
2: Um, I think it's not just about pit bulls, but any dog, right? So making sure that you find a dog that fits your lifestyle um, and fits your family. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that parents can do is teach their kids how to act appropriately around a dog. Um and, you know, that's whether it's a dog in your household or someone you're visiting or just out in public um, because children can be unpredictable um, and, you know, dogs aren't necessarily able to speak to us um, to let us know that they're uncomfortable, but they do, you know, have signs, you know, dogs might growl or bark or move away. Um, so really making sure that folks understand body language is really important too. Um, but there are many dogs, including Pitbull type dogs that are amazing family dogs um, and are safe with children. But again, we always like to preface that children should never be left alone, um, unsupervised with any dog regardless of breeder size.
1: Is Pitbull, would a Pitbull be a good choice if somebody were seeking a guard dog?
2: Um, again, I think it depends on the individual dog. Um, for example, I, so Charlotte, one of my dogs um, is hard of hearing and loves to just bark to hear her own voice. Um, and she loves to bark and say hello to people that are walking by. And, um, but I wouldn't necessarily consider her a a guard dog. And then Wilbur could care less about someone coming into the house, but would care more about the bag of chips you just opened. Um, so it, it really, really depends. I think any dog could be trained to be a guard dog, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a pit bull, um, nor should it be. So it's really, you know, again, individual dogs and the training that you want to provide to them.
1: So a number of people say that, uh, you know, it's great that there are these wonderful pit bull stories, but the statistics show that there's a lethality that pit bulls have compared to other dogs, that more serious injuries, emergency rooms, and uh, serious uh, injuries to dogs happens uh, with pit bulls than any other breed. How How do you respond to that? And... Uh, how does how does that lead to somebody's comfort level, either with being with getting a, a pit bull or being with pit bulls?
2: Yeah, um, so you know, definitely, fatal dog fatalities do happen. Um, roughly about fifty of them happen every year. Um, whether that is you know an instant fatality due to a, a dog attack um, or complications with dog bites. Um, or incidences that involve dogs where someone, you know, did unfortunately pass away. Um, and I don't want to discredit any of those, you know, those as are serious. Um, and what I have seen is that families are actually being charged with um, some pretty serious charges. Um, so a family
1: can actually get charged if their dog uh, injures another dog or injures a, injure, injures a person?
2: Um, Mostly in the people cases I've seen, but yes, Um, so like manslaughter charges can happen. Um, And again, these situations are very unfortunate um, and, you know, not to discredit them, um, 50 fatalities for millions and millions and millions and millions of dogs um, across the country is, there's a very, very extremely slim chance. It's a small
1: percentage. Uh, Re- yes. Relatively. I mean, it's
2: not even a percent.
1: Okay, uh, um, Shannon, we're going to take a phone call. Sure. Jackie, are you on?
2: Yes, I am.
1: Hello. you have a question or a comment about uh, pit bulls today?
4: Uh, yes. I want to thank you both for airing this show today. I think it's very important to educate people about all dogs, and pit bulls have gotten a very bad rap, and it's, um, again, as Shannon explained, it's um, an individual dog's behavior that you have to watch. It, it really doesn't have to do with the breed. So I'm just thanking you for this educational show. And I'm a longtime listener of WYNF. And I think you are um, really an asset to our community. You put on um, educational shows like the one you're doing today, and it really enhances living in the Tampa Bay area. And I just want to thank you for all your hard work at the station.
1: Thank you very much, Jackie. Do you have a pit bull yourself?
4: We don't. We have a, we have a dog um, that was rescued from the wilds of North Carolina. He and his uh, litter mates were left to fend for themselves in the woods uh, along with their mother dog. And so we have not done the uh, DNA testing to find out what Milo is. But he looks like he's a black mouthed cur mixed with possibly a boxer and possibly a pit bull because he does have that wide, uh, bulky chest. Mm -hmm. And some people say he's a ridgeback. He has ridgeback in him. So who really knows? The point is, any dog can be trained to be vicious mean, aggressive, and any dog can be trained to be loving and affectionate, and it has to do with the nurture. We always talk about nature versus nurture. So like you're saying today on the show, um, we have to be careful with all dogs, right, because they have teeth, and they're still animals. But um, our dog is very affectionate, very loving, and I kind of wish he would be a little more aggressive with strangers. But he's not. He'll just wag his tail and, and lick the person. So, you know, he he's a lovable dog, whatever he is.
1: Thank, thanks. Thank you very much, Jackie, for your call. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going to be taking another call in a second. But I want to ask you about the, this. She mentioned DNA. Is that something yeah. that people are doing more commonly now, That get, get checking their dog's DNA, especially when they come from a shelter? I have a shelter dog, but it's, it's a lab and something else. They told me it was a lab, but it's clearly got something else. Uh, <laughs> I never did the DNA test, and so now he's too old. But um, I'm just wondering, if is that useful?
2: Um. I think, I think DNA tests are fascinating. Um, I'll be honest that I have two in their packages in my, on my kitchen counter, ready to go for my dogs. And I just haven't done it yet. Um, So regardless of the age, Randy, I think you could, you could definitely do one if you're curious. Um, But what we are seeing with DNA tests are dogs that don't have physical characteristics of a pit bull type dog. So maybe you have this little fluffy thing um, that looks more like a Pomeranian or a Havapu or something. Um, and DNA tests are coming back with a percentage of American Staffshire Terrier or American Pit Bull Terrier. Uh-huh. Um, so mixed breed dogs are really the abundance of dogs that we're seeing across the country. Um, and DNA tests, you know, they are. They can be expensive, depending on the tests that you get. Um, but, you know, for some folks, it's worth it to.
1: Let's let's take another. Let's take another call. Sounds good. Hello, this is WMNF. Oops. Hello, this is WMNF. Oops. Are you there? Yes. Hi. I don't have your name, but
5: uh, uh, go ahead. Um, I was just going to call in. I just. Uh, as a pit bull owner, you know, I, I'm sorry, I just uh, logged in, but I don't, don't know, you know, what's going on um, topic-wise, you know, what you're talking about pit bulls and whatnot.
1: Uh, we have somebody here who believes uh, pit bulls are family, the, an advocate for pit bulls, a spokesperson in favor of uh, people owning pit bulls uh, on our show today. And we're uh, seeking uh, all sorts of points of view. So what's your point of view?
5: Actually, I'm I'm I know Shannon, and I'm I'm a big supporter of the organization and everything, and so um, yeah, I'm very much in in line with what she's saying about all dogs or individuals, and um, yeah, I've had several pit bulls um, since about 2000. I've been doing a lot of pit bull rescue.
1: So you're um, you're you're right in the middle of the whole uh, pit bull. Uh, Pro Pitbull scene, right yeah we're going we're gonna take another we're going take another call right now from uh Vicky. Hi, okay. Vicky. Whoops Hi, Vicky. are you there? uh yes, I am. You have a question for shannon and about uh pit bulls?
6: uh n- no, not really. I just called in to uh let everyone know what a great dog they are. And not So, you,
1: do, you, do you have a pit bull now, or have you had pit bulls?
6: Oh, yes, 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 I have a pit bull now. She's a rescue. She only weighed 20-some pounds when uh, we rescued her. And even though she was abused, um, she has been the best dog. Sweet, lovable. I couldn't ask for a better dog.
1: Fantastic. Well, that's, that's a good story. Thanks, Vicky.
6: <laughs> Thank you. Keep up the good work.
1: Okay, we're going to take another call, I think.
4: Oh, all righty. Bye bye. Bye.
1: Oh, we lost our calls. 813 239 9663 is our number in Tampa. And uh, yeah, the phone lines seem to be uh, ringing. And... <laughs> Do we have somebody online there? Hello. Hello there, WMNF. Hello WMNF.
5: Hey good morning we have two uh finger quote pit bulls one of them is a Staffordshire Terrier crossed with a Connie Corso everybody thinks she's a pit bull the other one is the typical American pit bull terrier um and we have a new granddaughter she's 11 months old and she's just now starting to interact with the dogs and with the 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 one guy that's the american pitbull terrier Uh, he's really scary looking the big block head everybody you know it's 50 50 either people walk away from him or they come up and say oh my gosh he's so handsome hello um he's the first pitbull that we've ever owned and i made sure to work with him very very much uh when we first got him because i wanted him to be a good ambassador for the breed and he is he's fantastic
1: and what do you mean worked with him What, what did you do to work with him
5: Training, uh, found out what his motivation was, uh, very much food and, and even being complimented and being told good boy. And yes, yes, yes. Um, over and over many, many hours of training with him and getting him to listen, stay, sit, um, you know, no bark, things like that. Okay. Um, and, uh, because of it now the 11 month old grandbaby, uh, uh, comes and approaches him. And I would trust him, but I don't trust any dog around, uh, you know, a baby because the babies will grab and pinch and things like that, that the dogs aren't used to and don't know. And they will bark at her and scare her. Um, so while he is a very good dog and you know, the people, I don't believe that he would ever do anything to harm anybody, let alone the grandbaby. Um, you know, you just never know so especially if the baby pinches or grabs or tugs or pulls and, the dog makes a couple vocal things that the baby isn't picking up on, that's when you can have a problem. Okay. Um, you know, I think everybody can kind of figure that one out. But they're great animals. Uh, the older American Pitbull Terrier, he's, he's nine. He's smart. He's the kindest, of sweetest dog I've ever owned. I've had uh, Rottweiler, Doberman Cross. I've had Beagles, Airedale Terriers, all sorts of dogs. He's the best. People that give these dogs a bad rap don't understand dogs at all. Thank, Thank you for the time. I feel I've taken up too much. I'm going to go offline.
1: Congratulations. You sound like you're a good dog owner.
5: I appreciate that. We try. Thank you.
1: And here's Meg in Tampa. Hi, Meg. Hi. Hi.
4: Hi. Um, I have a... This is
1: Talking Animals, by the way. Go ahead.
4: I have a Staffordshire Terrier St. Bernard Mix, and he is a 90-pound lap dog and it's super lovable. Wow. And I have a... I, Oh man, it's a lot sometimes. But I had a question for Shannon about um, if, in her work, if she kind of noticed when um, these bully breeds kind of started getting a bad rap, if it had anything to do with their how adjacent they were to communities of color.
1: You want to talk about that, Shannon?
2: Absolutely, that is such an amazing question, and thank you so much for asking it. And I would love to see your giant lap dog because that seems like an interesting mix. One hundred percent. So, breed discrimination is definitely embedded in racism and classism um, across the country, and you know we really saw um, stigmas around pit bull type dogs happen in the, the 80s and 90s, or especially in um, communities of color, specifically um, those communities that have a higher population of, of black individuals. Um, and so we're still seeing the effects of that today. And um, these laws and ordinances and pet policies continue to impact communities of color and low income individuals um, at a higher rate.
1: And do you think that's because they had a bad experience with a person of color? I know sometimes uh, I've I've known dogs that didn't like tall men, <laughs> and I'm a tall man, so it's I've I've had to stay clear, steer clear of those dogs.
2: Yeah, I mean I think so. What Meg is is calling in about is the the stigmas that started because um, communities of color had um pit bull type dogs at a higher rate than those in white communities um so the the correlation of people of color and pit bulls continues to just be a, a stigma that um, exists in present day um so not necessarily um that saying like um pit bulls don't like tall folks um it's more of of the history of who owned these dogs and us as um, the majority, and when I say majority, I mean um, those of Caucasian descent um, continuing to put regulations on on communities of color and um, what they can and cannot have, including dogs.
1: Okay. We're going to get to some other calls. We're getting a lot of calls right now. People seem to want to talk about pit bulls this morning on Talking Animals. Here's Brian in Tampa. Hi, Brian.
7: If we adopted um, our Pitbull Beagle Mix from an organization called Ruff in Tampa a few years ago. It was love at first sight, and she's been the best, sweetest dog uh, imaginable. We would not trade her for anything in the world. Um, but I will say, compared to my experience of uh, raising other Beagle Mixes, like Beagle uh, Jack Russell mixes and and beagles, beagles, um, the Pitbull um, part of, of our dog is definitely way more protective of us and way more alert and just in a fight or flight response with people that she's not so familiar with visitor. and it, it does make it harder for us to have visitors and guests over. Um,
1: to have strange people and, come over.
7: Yeah exactly or even you know people that she's familiar with but doesn't see on a daily basis. So,
1: hey Brian that's a, great, that's a great call. You, We kind of have a bad connection with you so I'm going to move on but th- thanks for your call. Okay, hopefully get a better connection with Barbara in Spring Hill. Barbara, good morning.
6: Hey, good morning to you. Thanks for taking my Much
1: better connection.
6: I am curious if Shannon has any input with a technique that I was taught by an animal control um, officer. I had an issue where a Rottweiler locked onto my lab and the owner was trying to spray with water and even took a children's bicycle and tried to hit her dog to try to get the dog to release from my lab. And when I told the dog officer about it, the incident, she said, whenever you have a dog that's latched on to anything, regardless of the size of the breed, you go behind their rear legs where they're getting the purchase for the forward lockdown. And you grab above their first notch with both of your hands and you push It's like a a sensitive spot, and supposedly any dog, any breed, will release to turn around and say, what the hell's going on? (laughs) And will give you time to drag the dog away from the victim. And you can supposedly hold even a 100-pound dog with very little strength, supposedly. Have you ever heard of
2: that technique? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And I'm so sorry that that happened to your dog. It's, It's never never well, the a dog good thing survived, fortunately um, oh,
6: go um, but it was such an aggressive scary thing to watch this rottweiler <laughs> locked on and absolutely not releasing and it came yeah. on my property to do that and she oh. said you hold that dog you let that other dog get away or that child or you can yeah. stop supposedly not sure if you're familiar with that
2: yeah so um so a couple things um I want us to be really careful about the term "locked." Um, So there isn't a a dog type or breed that has a locking jaw. So um, just just being mindful of that. Um, Even though yes, it's a it's a scary situation, and it seems like they're locked on. Um, But just talking the lock jaw myth, I want to acknowledge. Um, In terms of what to do when an incident is happening, um, there is um, a a technique called feeding the bite right so um you can they teach this you know in the event that something happens in a playgroup or when you're out in public with your dogs um you feed the bite so you push them into whatever they're biting so that they release um, so that their, their jaw opens up um and you know there are other techniques so yes so that's almost counter
1: that's almost uh, counterintuitive you push the dog into the into the dog that that he or she is attacking.
2: Yeah. Um, and if an incident is occurring, you know you as as the human, um, you definitely want to be smart and careful. Um, so be careful of where your body is, your hands, your legs um, because sometimes when an incident is occurring the dog can redirect. On to the human. Um, so just just being careful um, about your surroundings and your presence there as well.
6: I think um, that's what they were insinuating by approaching from the rear. Yeah. They don't have the ability in their spine to wrap around and grab you or get you. And they're curious, right. like, who, who just took my power away? What's going on here? And yeah. you can drag them to a garage or to a, someone's screened porch or... You yeah. remove them from that stimulus. That was just a concept, and I never took the time to look it up on YouTube to see if it's a technique with trainers or anything. But your forward thrust does make sense because you're pushing their muzzle and making them be like, you know, you you are taking that. Right, I, I see what that what that does.
1: Barbara, thanks for your call. We got to we got to we got our run. Uh, Shannon, <laughs> Shannon, we're uh, just starting to get a lot of calls, but uh, the show's just about over. Shannon at. My pitbull is family, is, dot org is the organization.